morning, Grace family. Uh, I am so excited this morning to continue our series, Hope and a Future, and am excited this morning that this message is not just for Grace Marietta, it's also for Grace Capital City, our friends uh, in D.C., um, who, by the way, these are my two favorite campuses. Don't tell the other campuses, but my two favorite campuses are Marietta and Capital City. Now, I've got some problems with the pastor at Capital City, but for the most part, I really like all the people there and love them. The pastor just isn't very equitable. I've flown to D.C. now three times to preach there, um, and maybe those folks in D.C. can ask Chris how many times he's flown to Marietta to preach at, at our campus. It's zero. He hasn't, he hasn't done it. Um, but he did video himself for us, uh, which was a little bit kind, I suppose. Uh, no, I, I love you guys, and uh, I'm really excited to be communicating with, uh, with both campuses. We're in Jeremiah chapter 32 today as we continue this series, and, and it really is a strange set of passages, um, but I want you to stick with me because there's some real gold in there, and there's some really wonderful things to be discovered in uh, this passage. Um, my family has moved a bunch over the past 10 years. Uh, we... we lived in Kentucky, in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, we worked at a big mega church there and then started a church uh, on a college campus there and spent about, oh man, it was like 15 years there in Kentucky. Um, then we moved to Polly's Island, South Carolina, a beautiful little beach community about a half hour, 45 minutes south of or north of uh, Charleston, really wonderful place. Um, we lived in Ohio for a couple years, uh, moved back home. Uh, Ohio is where I'm from. It's a desolate, terrible place, uh, but that's where I lived. Uh, and now live in Marietta, Georgia. Uh, and, and one of the things I've, I've learned every year is the different investment in snow capacity. Uh, the different investment that each community has in how they handle snow. Um, Ohio is ready. Uh, like, they are, like if snow comes, it doesn't matter how much snow is there, it will be off of your driveway and out of your road by the morning. Like there are snow trucks everywhere, there are salt trucks everywhere, they are prepared for any amount of snow at any time. Kentucky is semi-ready. Right? Uh, there are these moments when uh, the snow comes and there's just a little bit. They're, they're, they're not able to clear the roads. They'll clear the main roads. They'll clear the highways, but the rest of the area is not there. Uh, Atlanta is not prepared at all. Uh, we, I live in a neighborhood that has these big giant hills. And so if it snows, which it's done once since we've lived here in the last three years, but when it does, just nobody leaves our neighborhood. I, I was amazed. I was, I was the only person trying to get out of our neighborhood, um, and it was just impossible because of the snow and the hills and, and because there are no salt trucks, and there is no one clearing the roads uh, for anything. Um, but Pauly's Island, they're actually not prepared for anything. They're, they're not even prepared for cold weather. So as my kids have gone to school in Ohio and Kentucky and Atlanta and in this little beach town in South Carolina, the, the place where they had the most snow days was actually Polly's Island, South Carolina. And the interesting thing about that is it actually never snowed in Polly's Island, South Carolina when we were there. What would happen was even when it would get cold, they would cancel school. Even when there was frost on the ground, they would cancel school. Even if there was a hint of, there's a possibility that it's going to get below 35 degrees, they will cancel school. So in Polly's Island, South Carolina, my kids had the most snow days of any other place because they've just not chosen to invest in that. 
The community governments, they've, they've decided, like, it just doesn't snow here, so we're not going to invest in salt. We're not going to invest in, in these trucks. We're not going to invest in clearing the roads. We're not even going to invest in heaters on the bus or in the schools because it's just not cold and we just don't need it. Uh, it's amazing how much of Scripture actually deals with investment, how we invest our time, how we invest our resources, how we invest our energy. And, and, and all of us are, are asked by the Word of God to evaluate what our everyday investment is, how we use our time. Uh, our, our investments need to be evaluated, what we do with our resources, what we do with our energy, what we do with our relationships, all of those things. There's tons of energy in Scripture around what we do with this. Uh, and, and, and what happens is we, we sometimes just don't evaluate, is our, our, are our investments bearing fruit? Is the way that I'm investing my time and my energy and my resources and, and my relationships, are, are those things actually planting something for the kingdom that is going to grow in the future? Are those things actually investments that are worth the time and energy? Because what often happens is God focuses our heart, he focuses our dreams, he focuses our energy, but we hang on to our investments. Like our desires get our attention. So God focuses our heart, God gives us a dream, he gives us a kingdom dream, he gives us a vision of what the future could look like, he gives us hopes and plans, and we have this future vision of what the world could be, but we hang on to our, our, our everyday desires and our everyday investments. Uh, this happened this week for, uh, for me at Grace Marietta. I, I think we've got a picture of this. Um, but this week, um, this is what went in front of my office. Uh, it's, the, it's the video game. It's the arcade game NBA Jam. Uh, it's the new addition to our student space. I'll be really honest with you. I don't know that the students are that excited about it, but every middle-aged man in the church is thrilled. Like They are so excited to hear the words, boom shakalaka, or he's on fire. And so this week, this was placed, and it's directly, that door that you see in that picture is the door to my office. Directly outside of my office is NBA Jam. I may never work again. Like, if I don't evaluate my, my investments, I'm going to be sitting out there playing NBA GM. I will get the high score. It will say Ben, B-E-N, on there, on everything. And I will, do, I will play this all day long, but I will not invest in the things that I'm actually called to invest in. Oftentimes, my desires and God's desires don't equal up to the correct investment in what God wants. Uh, I, I, I went to the beach a few weeks ago, uh, went down to Florida uh, before all the craziness kind of started going on there, and uh, I, I looked at the pictures of myself at the beach and realized I'd like to lose 10 pounds. And so I came back home um, feeling a little extra something in the gut and a little shame uh, over what I saw in those pictures, and, and, and I realized very quickly that I, I have a vision for the future that includes me not being that chubby. Uh, but I also, my desires really want cherry cordial ice cream. And so I, there, there's a gap between what I want and what God wants and how I invest in how to get there. I, I can agree with God on the future that he has planned for me, but never agree with him on the investments that it's going to take for us to get there. Uh, Jesus sent out the 72 when he sent out the 72, it's a huge principle of investment. He said, if you find a person of peace, then stay there and invest. Invest your time, invest your energy, invest everything you have in the person that wants that. 
But if you don't find that, then wipe the dust off your feet and move on to something else. Jesus said, don't give your pearls to the swine, which is not just a mean way to talk to people. It's actually saying, don't invest the best of yourself into somebody that doesn't want it. Don't invest all of your energy and all of your attention and the best of what you have. Don't invest the pearls of your life into something that will not bear fruit. The scripture is all filled with this idea of reaping and sowing. We, we, we sow and we reap, we invest. The scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all of these things will be added unto you. We chase the added things before we want the seeking. We, 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 want, we want all the good stuff before we want the investment. Um, discipleship itself is an investment. It's the greatest investment that we can make in this world, but it's going to take time, and it's going to take energy, and it's going to take resources, and it's going to take frustration. What we often want is we want the end of the story without the investment to get there. We don't want to put the hard work in. We don't want to do the challenging things. We just want transformation. We want transformation now, instantly, easy, and quick. We could have the greatest dream for our life. We could have the greatest clarity on what God wants for, for our life. We could have the greatest design and plan for the future. But if our investment strategy doesn't in, in, uh, align with the Father's investment strategy, we will not see the breakthrough that the Father wants for us. So that leads us to Jeremiah chapter 32. And stick with me because these passages are a little weird. But, but here's where we are in, in the story. Jeremiah is stuck inside the city. He's stuck inside the city, and it's a city that he's been saying over and over again, this city will fall. The Babylonians will come. They will, the, Judah will lose. They will take you captive. Uh, you, you, you are going to be taken to a foreign place. Everything is falling apart. The survivors are going to go to Babylon. Um, it, it's, it's this big message of doom and gloom and pain. It's just like getting on Facebook these days. It's exactly the same as that. And, and the king just couldn't tolerate Jeremiah anymore. He couldn't tolerate the negativity that was being spewed, the defeat, the demoralizing. He didn't want his people demoralized. So he throws him in prison in the royal barracks to shut him up. And, and, and the only thing worse than being in a besieged city is being in prison in a besieged city. But Jeremiah refuses to be a product of his environment here. And what he chooses in Jeremiah chapter 32 is he chooses to invest in God's future rather than complain about what's present and going on in his life. Uh, the first thing I, I want us to see in these passages is that if you're not sold out to God, you will sell out to something else. Jeremiah 32, verse 6, it says, Jeremiah said the word of the Lord came to him. Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle is going to come to you and say, buy my field at Anatoth, because, he, because as your nearest relative, it is your right and it is your duty to buy it. So the word of the Lord comes to him. Jeremiah is told, your, your crazy uncle, everybody has a crazy uncle, don't, don't you? I, I could tell you stories about my crazy uncle. We all have crazy uncles. But it, it, the, the, the crazy uncle is going to come to you, and he's probably going to send your cousin and when he sends your cousin, he's going to try and get you to take on this investment. And the investment is this property. There is this property that is owned by the family that nobody wants because the Babylonians actually control it now. The Babylonians are encamped outside the city. The property is sitting outside the city. The property is worthless, and the price of bread is increasing over and over and over again in the city. 
And so they're figuring out a way. It's a terrible investment scam. Like this is, the, this is the prince of Nigeria sending you an email and saying, hey, I've got this treasure for you. If you would just send me $500, we can get this covered. Like these are the kinds of things that are happening. Uh, I was reading this week about investment scams. And, and I read that it says over 30 million consumers every year fall to some sort of investment scam. And you know that you're in a bad place when, when the person you think of to buy your property is your cousin that's who's in prison. Like they are desperate to get rid of this property. It's a bad investment. It makes no sense to buy this property at this time. And it's actually the opposite of what Jeremiah has been prophesying. Jeremiah has been saying, like, this is worthless. Like everything's falling apart. The, the Babylonians are going to come. They're going to take us captive. We're going to run away. Verse 8, it said, Then just as the Lord said, my cousin Hanamel came to me in the courtyard of the guard and said, Buy my field at Anatoth in the territory of Benjamin. Since it is your right to redeem it and possess it, buy it for yourself. Um, it's worthless. It is of no value whatsoever. And, and Hanamel is just trying to scam this off on cousin Jeremiah. And the crazy thing is, Jeremiah has been the one saying there is no point because all of this is falling apart. It's not valuable because the Babylonians are going to come and take it. Here's what the scripture says. It says, I knew this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field at Anatoth from my cousin Hanamel, and I weighed out for him 17 shekels of silver, and I signed and sealed the deed. I had it witnessed, and I weighed out the silver on the scales. I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy containing the terms and conditions, as well as the unsealed copy, and I gave the, de the deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of Masasiah, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel and the witnesses who had signed the deed of all the Jews sitting in the courtyard of the guard. There's a lot of names there. Here's what's happening. This is what you need to understand. For an Israelite man, his property was a sign of his identity. His property was a sign of his heart, of his destiny, of his future. Everything was an agrarian culture, and so everything was tied to the land. The land had value. God sent Abraham to a new land. There were all of these visions of land with fruit and honey, milk and honey. Like there, there's, this, there's this beautiful picture of the land being of such value, and here's what Jeremiah does. He buys land that he knows is worthless because the father told him to. Sometimes the strategy that God invites us in to invest in doesn't make sense. Sometimes the strategy doesn't always, it's not always clear to us right now why I'm investing. Sometimes even as we invest, it doesn't even make sense. Why am I doing this? Why am I investing it? It feels like there's no return. It feels like there, this isn't producing the fruit that I want. But I know that God has invited me here. I know that he's called me here. I know that I'm planting where he's asked me to plant. And I'm trusting that he's going to be the one that brings the harvest. So Jeremiah buys a field that is worthless. Jesus tells the same kind of parable. A naked man in a field who spends everything he has to buy a field because there's a treasure in the field. Noah's asked to build an ark when there's not even rain. There's not even a flood. Abraham's sent to a land that nobody even knows where he's going. The Bible is filled with God inviting his people to invest in things that don't make sense to human eyes, that don't make sense to human wisdom, but do make sense to the mind of heaven and the economy of God. Jeremiah, in the midst of this, first has to drop his pride. 
Because he's been the one saying the Babylonians are coming and everything's falling apart. And this is a change from the doom and the gloom messages that he's been delivering to a message of hope. And that message is I'm going to invest because I believe that there's a future here. That even in the midst of all the doom and gloom, even in the midst of all the frustration, even in the midst of all the nonsense that's on social media right now, we are going to invest in a brighter future because we believe that our environment right now is not the environment of the kingdom, that there is something better ahead, that there is a future, that there is a hope, that there is goodness, that God's plans for us are good, and so we'll invest in the future and we'll do everything we can to do that. And the first thing we have to do to do that is we have to drop our pride. We have to drop our pride. We have to drop a feeling of self-importance and self-grandulization. And we have to get to a point where we realize I'm just a servant of a good father who's inviting me to do something and I trust him. So we drop our pride, we trust him, and we have faith and hope and belief that our investment will produce a return. It's hard to plant where no one else is planting. It's hard to invest in things that no one else is investing in. But there are investments that we simply won't know what the return is for many, many years. There are investments that we make every day, every month, every year that we may not even see what they produce until the other side of heaven. Uh, You know what the most shame-filled moment of my week is? It's that moment, I think it comes every single Sunday morning, where Apple decides to send me the amount of time I've spent on my phone. Anybody else? feel like ridiculous shame when you see that? Because what I realize when I see that is I've done nothing fruitful with that time. However many hours that is, and I will tell you, it's gotten up to like four hours, four or five hours. When I start seeing those numbers, I'm, I'm ashamed to even say that. When I start seeing those numbers and seeing those things, I realize those hours were spent playing Clash Royale, which produces nothing good. Those hours were spent on the toxic world of social media. Those hours were spent playing online poker. Like, those hours were spent doing things that just don't make sense. And so I want us to understand that we make decisions, but our decisions actually make us. Verse 13, it says, In the presence I gave Baruch these instructions. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, said. Take these documents, both the sealed and unsealed copies of the deeds of the purchase, and put them in a jar of clay so that they will last a long time. He's understanding in the midst of all of this, I am investing in a future that I may not see for a long time. And so I want this treasure to be reserved and to be saved. I am investing for eternity. I am investing in the long term. I am investing in what's ahead of us. And and as the people of God, we have such small-mindedness in terms of our investment. It's hard for us to even imagine what could happen next year, let alone what could happen in 30 years when we invest. Verse 15, it says, for this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, houses, fields, vineyards will again be bought in this land. That's water from heaven for the people of God. That word from the Lord, the word has been devastation's coming, trouble is coming, the Babylonians are coming, you will be conquered, you will be pulled from your home, the temple will be destroyed. All of these terrible things have been proclaimed, but here's what God says, even in the midst of your circumstances that seem terrible, even in the midst of that difficult environment, I am planting, I'm asking you as my people to invest because there is a future that is bright, there is a future that is good, and there is a hope 
hope that is worth investing in and is worth giving your life to. God doesn't just invite us to dream with him. He invites us to invest with him. We, sometimes we love to dream, but we hate to invest. We, we don't want to put our money where our mouth is. We don't want to put our feet ahead of each other in, our, in the midst of our investment. We don't want to go to the gym. We want to eat the cherry cordial ice cream. And God is doing the same kind of thing in us over and over again. And I believe this season of the church, there's been a shaking. And in the midst of this shaking, what's real is being revealed. And what's false is being shaken off. And the question that I have is, will the people of God continue to invest in the things that really matter? Or will we double down on on, on things that don't have any bearing on the future? Will we double down on individualism? Will we double down on consumerism? Will we double down on self-interest? Or will we actually begin to become the people of God who invest in the things that the Father is saying he wants to see in the church? I I believe we've reached this cultural moment where we have to decide who are we going to be as the church. And I'm prayerful and I have hope some days that there's going to be amazing revival and that the church is going to be be seen, is going to have eyes to see what's really going on and eyes to see how we need to change and be transformed and we'll begin to invest in something new. And then I have moments where I lose my hope and I feel discouraged and I think we're just going to double down again and go right back to the same place. When I was a kid, uh, my mom used to take me to the grocery. Uh, it was a terrible experience, except for two things. Uh, we went to Kroger, and, and I don't know if there's Kroger's in D.C., but there are in Atlanta. And at Kroger, they give you a free cookie if you're a kid. And so there was this moment where I, my mom always made me go for the free cookie, and I would walk to the, to the um, little bakery, and I would say, can I have a free cookie? And the lady would give you a free cookie. And I think because I did it myself, I got better cookies. Like I would get, a lot of kids would get the sugar cookies because their mom would ask for it, but I would get the icing, right? I would get the good stuff. Uh, and, and then the second part of the trip that was amazing was the cereal aisle. Because in the cereal aisle, I actually got to make a decision. Now, the decisions were limited because mom had parameters for those decisions. There were certain cereals that we just weren't allowed to eat. Um, But at at that point in time, and and I noticed today because I went to the cereal aisle today with my 10-year-old daughter, which I'll tell you about in a minute, um, they don't have toys anymore in boxes. They have stupid, like, uh, scan your phone on this and you can win something, which I, I can't imagine anybody ever does or send this away to this address and you might win something. It's not nearly as good. But back in the day, you used to open the box and there was like a really bad toy in there. But as a kid, you were really excited about the really bad toy, right? You, you thought like the, the promise of the toy was incredible. And so you had two options as you were picking out cereal. The first one was you, you get the great toy with a bad cereal, right? So sometimes you would, you'd, you'd have to sacrifice. I'm going to eat a bad cereal for a few weeks but I'm going to get this like fake G.I. Joe guy that's pretty amazing in here. Or you get the, the, the cereal that's amazing and will rot your teeth, but the toy may not be the greatest toy in the world. And so the cereal idol be, aisle became this place, kind of like the world, where there's all of these different things calling out to our investment. So I went to the cereal aisle today. I asked my daughter to pick out. I gave her six boxes that she could pick out. The first was Fruity Pebbles. Uh, it's, a, it's an old go-to. Um, it's uh, very sugary. There's a cartoon character on it. I asked her if the win $125 gift card played any part in that choice, and she said, yes, I would love to go to an Atlanta United game. So that, that played a part in it. Um, there's soccer on the back, too, of the Fruity Pebbles. Um, Barney and Fred, 
uh, they're, they're doing some soccer things. So that, that was the first thing. Um, the second was just straight up Lucky Charms. Like this is an old go-to, uh, the Lucky Charms. Uh, I asked her if the cartoon character played any part of it. Um, it also says gluten-free, which is really healthy, uh, which is good. It's good to know that Lucky Charms is super healthy. There's a little maze on the back, and I asked my 10-year-old if that played any part in, in the choice of Lucky Charms, and she said, no, I bought it because of the sugar. Like, I just want those sugar marshmallows. Uh, she bought cinnamon toast churros. Um, it has little soccer guys on the back, finger puppets. Um, the, the finger puppets had no bearing on her choice. It was all about the churros. And I asked her why the churros, and she said, I don't know what a churro is, um, which made me a little disappointed as a father and feel a little shame that I haven't been a good father. Um, but this looks delicious. That's what she said. Uh, let's see, what else we got? Peanut butter checks. Uh, the checks are a go-to in our family. We usually go vanilla checks. I asked her if the gluten-free, no fructose corn syrup or no artificial flavors played a part, and she said, yeah, she really wanted a healthy one. Out of her six boxes, she wanted to choose one healthy, and so apparently this was the, the healthy choice. Um, I, we got a couple more, but my favorite of all that she picked was Twinkies cereal. Uh, and I said, babe, why did you pick that? And she said, I don't know. I just wanted to see what a Twinkies would taste like in milk. Uh, that's what I was wondering. Here, here's the thing. I, I think the world for us is, is like the cereal aisle. There, there's a million different things that call out to us and call out to us in nonsensical ways. Right? There's a maze on the back. There's sugar in the midst of it. Uh, they, they demand and call for immediate satisfaction, for immediate joy, for immediate hope. And we stand at that cereal aisle every single day discerning, am I going to choose this or am I going to invest in something that actually makes sense for my life? And so I want to invite everybody to think about these two things. I want you to think about discipline and discernment. Those aren't really fun words for us in our culture. Uh, the cereal boxes are a lot more fun. The sugar is a lot more fun than all of those things. But dis discernment is knowing what you need to invest in. It's, it's me aligning my desires and my heart with the Father's desires and with the Father's heart. And then me coming up with what's the next step? What's the one step closer to the kingdom that I need to be taking? It's discerning where God is asking me and inviting me to invest. Where is your field that God's asking you to invest in? Where is the field that you're being asked to buy? Where is the, the, the hard work that God is inviting you into so that you can see the future that he has planned for you? And then the last question is, do you have the discipline to walk in it? Because it's one thing to see the future, it's another thing to invest in it. Do you have the discipline to stop investing in the cereal aisle, to stop investing in things that aren't going to produce fruit, to stop investing in, in, in the things that you know aren't going to get you where you want to go? And do you have the discipline to do the things that you know are required so that you can see God's dreams fulfilled? God does this beautiful thing where he invites us to work with him. He doesn't do all the work for us, although sometimes he does. He doesn't ask us to do all the work either. He wants to partner with us. It's this beautiful relationship between us and the living God. The spirit of God that dwells in us is asking us to partner with him and to invest in a brighter future. So let's stop asking God to change our environment. And let's start asking him, how do you want to change our investment? 
So a few questions just for you to reflect on. These are going to pop up on the screen, and I want to invite you just to take a few minutes in prayer or in quiet time. We're doing watch parties in Marietta and gathering as groups in homes. It's a great discussion questions for your home, or, or if you're just watching it with your family, ask these questions or just reflect on these questions this week. The first is, where is God inviting you to reinvest your time, your energy, and your resources? The second is, in what ways can you invest in the dream God gave you for tomorrow today? If you have that dream and you have that future and you have that plan, then what does it look like to invest in that today? What's your one step closer to the kingdom today? And then the last question is, what is a wasted investment in your life? You need to stop so that you can start investing in what God is inviting you into. Uh, We love you guys. We're praying for you. We really do believe that there is a hope and that there is a future and that God is building something really beautiful. And we as his family get to invest with him. We get to participate in the redemption of all things. I'm going to have you do just the questions again because it cut out. Uh, I don't know why my camera stops recording after 30 minutes. The serial part got long. No, I thought it's not long. It's just why it doesn't. Um, Will you just start at question number one? Yep. And and then I can edit it. Yep. And I'm assuming that there's, the questions are going to be on the screen when I'm saying this, so I can just read it. So it'll be like, here's a couple questions. The first is, and it'll be on yep. the screen. Yep, okay. Yep. So just whenever you're ready, just do the, so there's going to be a couple questions that pop up on the screen. The yep, first is, okay. Yeah. Do I need to clap? No, you're good. Okay, so there's going to be a couple, well, let um, me wait and give a pause there. Yeah, good call. <laughs> There's going to be a couple questions that are going to pop up on your screen, and I want you either in your watch party or in your home or with your family or just reflect on these questions this week and spend a few minutes just with the Lord inviting him to speak to you about these questions. The first is, where is God inviting you to reinvest your time, your energy, and your resources? The second is, in what ways can you invest in the dream God gave you for tomorrow today? What's your one step closer to the kingdom look like today? And then last is, what is a wasted investment in your life that you need to stop so that you can start investing in what God is inviting you into? Uh, We really believe here at Grace that there is this beautiful thing that happens when the church becomes the church, that we partner with God that the journey actually is the destination, that, that our life is actually the discipleship curriculum that God is taking us on, and that, that we get to journey with him in this, and we get to do it together. And so I want to invite you just to share with each other, what are your God dreams? What are the kingdom dreams that God's awakening in your heart? And, and, and get some accountability. Get some people who will gather around you and give you wisdom on how to get there, because sometimes our dreams require a family. Sometimes our dreams can't be done on their own. Our dreams require others to come alongside of us and join with us. So we love you, we believe in you, and we want to invest everything we can in the kingdom dreams that God has given you. We want to equip you, we want to walk beside you, and we want to love you in the middle of all of those things. So our prayer is that you would join us in dreaming big dreams, dreaming crazy dreams. My my, my prayer is that because of this message, somebody goes out and buys a field And that field makes no sense for anybody right now. But 20 years from now, it bears a harvest that we couldn't even imagine. We love you guys. Have a great week.